So a funny story. I, in college, took a class on apocalyptic religious traditions. And apocalypses are just kind of end times things, you know, comings and a great chaos in the world, um, sometimes a judgment. Uh, and we got through to a couple of Christian movements, and I, child of the UCC that I am, said, since when is Christianity an apocalyptic movement? Since when is Christianity uh, to do with the end times? Um, and that shows you the emphases we have in the church sometimes when we are trying to build up uh, the kingdom of God here. Uh, because it turns out uh, that if you read the Gospels, if you read Mark especially, but also here in Matthew, if you skip to the end, as I know Hazel likes to do, and read Revelation, uh, then you will find that there are, uh, in fact, uh, stories about when Jesus returns and what happens when he does. Is this surprising to any of you? You're all doing better than I did. Okay. So this is one of those stories. And it's interesting because it is the reign of Christ Sunday. We are talking about what it means to be in Jesus' kingdom, right? And we get some clues here. When we think of kings, do we usually think of people who like to be celebrated? Yes, you know, maybe there are some reluctant ones, but that's kind of the role of a king. When we think of kings, especially prior to this modern, enlightened, constitutional monarchy era, what do we think uh, they do when people insult them, the body of the king? Off with their head. Good answer. And do you think they think the same way of their subjects? There's a long tradition of saying, oh, there are good kings, but by and large, subjects get away with insulting one another all the time without that happening. And so we get this clue in this text that the kingdom of God will be slightly different, right? That the kingdom of God does not favor valorizing and lauding people you know to be king, right? They say, no, you get no bonus points for visiting me when you know I'm Jesus, right? Who do you get bonus points for visiting? The disenfranchised, the least of these. The kingdom of God will be one in which we care for the least of these, and we are filled with people who have loved the least of these in the world. That is what the reign of Christ is meant to look like. It is an inversion of what we usually think about in the kingdom, of a kingdom where the king is the one elevated, everyone goes up to him. Instead of serving the king by serving the king, we say we serve the king by serving the least of these in the world. For in our world, there is divinity in all people. That when we validate the divinity in the least of our brothers, we are doing the work of Jesus in the world. And that is what this story is all about, what this parable is all about. As we led into it with this story, this is the third story talking about judgment, talking about what happens at the great sorting at the end. And for the first two, we sort of looked at it and said, how is it that we can look at this in love? How is it that in our tradition we can say there is love in this story and we hope to bring love to all people? And here is the payoff. It says the way we bring love to all people is by bringing love to all people. You all were up way too late watching USC-UCLA last night. Wake up, wake up. Okay. So that's the payoff here. And... Jesus is saying, look, there is going to be a winnowing. There is going to be a splitting at the end. 
And it's up to you to figure out what that means for you. What does it mean for you in your life? What are your priorities? Because I'm not telling you when I'm coming again. And that's what this parable of the people uh, waiting at the wedding two weeks ago was. was We don't know when the bridegroom's going to come back. He's late, which is the story of Christianity in a nutshell. That we have all these people thinking Jesus' reign will come right away, and now it's been 2,000 years, and so what do we do in the meantime? Well, this is the story that pays that off, and it is feed the hungry, clothe those who are naked, visit those who are in prison. And this is a challenging story for us. And you may not think it's challenging, but wait five minutes. It's a challenging story for us because it is easy for us to look only around at ourselves and look at our own lives, which are genuinely busy, where we have stresses that overwhelm us, where we do not know how we can find time to go out and serve other people or even to define what it means to serve other people. And what Jesus is saying here is, well, that's too bad. Because it is not enough to wish that those in prison have been visited. It is not enough to wish that the naked had clothing. It is not enough to wish that the hungry had food. Jesus does not say that the righteous will be those who felt bad. Jesus says the righteous will be those who fed and clothed, and visited. And Jesus is saying this to people who are busy, to people who are afflicted. They are people at the margins of society already. They are not people in comfort. And so when we come in our relative comfort, although we have our own struggles, we each of us have our own struggles, some more than others, especially in these days, it's harder to see where we go, because when you're at the margins, you see people at the margins. But when you're not at the margins, you see people who are not at the margins. And it's harder to break out of our shells and get there. And this was something that came really home to us in the Ankeny Ministerial Association. For those of you who do not know what that is, there are a number of us ministers who get together once a month and talk about sort of issues in Ankeny, issues in Des Moines, and how we can do and how we can serve things. And people in that group had been looking at Ferguson, Missouri since the summer and saying, you know what, while there are a number of things about Ferguson, Missouri in particular that have caused this particular situation, St. Louis is not so different from Des Moines and Polk County that we cannot imagine the same thing happening here. And we said, if that happens, we literally don't know who we would call to help. We in the Ankeny Ministerial Association, we who think we are Christians, we who think we are servants of Christ, and all of whom have taken oaths uh, to that effect, literally did not know who to call. And so a couple of people in the Ministerial Association said, well, I can find out who to call. And so this week, we met with people from a small group called Mothers Against Violence who were serving as liaisons between the police and African-American folks, especially youths in certain neighborhoods in Des Moines because that at least gave us someone to talk to, maybe someone to help, maybe people who would give us some idea of how we can get out and do these things that Jesus has asked us to do. 
And at the end of the meeting, they went away. And then Thursday came, and then Friday came, and then here we are, and the question is, what can we do to keep it up? What can we do to find the hungry? What can we do to find and welcome the stranger, both in our midst, also in Polk County generally? What can we do to break out of our shells and see that there are people everywhere who need visiting, who need clothing, who need food? Because we say we want to bring about the kingdom of God. We say we want to live in this place of love. But this text challenges us. Because it says, do you really mean it? Do you really mean it? What are you doing today to bring about the kingdom of God? What are you doing today to reverse this story where the powerful push around the powerless like we have in the book of Ezekiel? What are you doing today to reach out and build someone up instead of tearing them down? What are you doing today to change things. Because that is the challenge of this passage. And here's the good news. We don't need to go far. There are people in Ankeny who are outcasts. There are people at the margins. There are people who are hungry. There are people who have been kicked out of their family for who they are. There are people who are afraid of the police whether or not they have reason to. We have at the Nevelin Center a, an Ankeny Service Center that is help, trying to help people who cannot find help elsewhere, and it needs help. It needs volunteers. It needs money. It needs all sorts of things because the United Way is no longer backing it. In our community, here in Ankeny, not even far away, not even real strangers, people we see at the grocery store all the time, people we see walking around, it's easy to do it. We just need to find two hours out of our day. And you know what? I've not been good. You know who's been good at serving? Jennifer Kessler in the office. You know, who do you think delivers all this food every week? I never see it every month. She goes and brings the food to the, so that you, you all bring here to the service center. She goes, uh, or to the food pantry. She goes and finds out what's going on. She brings up to us opportunities to serve, and that is our challenge. How do we take up that mantle, not just now at Thanksgiving, but into January, into February, into March, how can we live our lives such that someone can look at us and say, these people are following Jesus' admonitions. These people wish to be the sheep and wish to expand the flock so there are no more goats. What can we do? It's in all of us to do it. It's in all of us to get together and find that time. It's in all of us to go and pick up the phone and visit someone who we haven't seen for a while. It's in all of us to go and spend that hour to go and bring one of our kids down so they can see it too. It's in all of us. There is hope for all of us, which is why Jesus is telling this to all of us. We are all loved children of God. There is divinity in each one of us, and it is only up to us to show it to other people and spread the light in the world. We are reminded that a light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. So now it's us. We have seen the light. As we head into Advent, can we be the light? Amen.